You cannot understand America without understanding the South. It's the fastest growing, youngest, and most diverse part of the country. And Southerners are changing the music we listen to, the movies we watch, the food we eat, and the stories we share. I'm John Hammontree, host of The Reckon Interview, and each week I sit down and talk with some of the South's most interesting thinkers and creators. We talk about how this place shaped them and how they're reshaping the South. So go ahead and subscribe to The Reckon Interview, available wherever you get your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. As the novel coronavirus wreaks havoc in Alabama and across the world, these are the stories of those seeking to survive the disease and its economic strain. A lot of us are concerned that the gaps between sort of the haves and the have-nots are going to be widened. The kids who are struggling to connect to their schools, for whatever reason, are going to have a tough time staying afloat. Today we hear from AL.com education reporter Trish Crane. Trish has reported on the 1,400 K-12 public school buildings closing for the remainder of the spring semester and the state's effort to continue learning outside their classrooms. But some teachers have been ordered to go back to work inside the closed buildings. And many Alabama schools have stopped serving meals to students to slow the spread of coronavirus. But some have kept serving to ensure their students will not go hungry during the pandemic. Closure of a school year. Uh, many times I've already said this health crisis we face is unprecedented in our time. We've never had to shut down so many schools for such a long period of time. Now, as the governor has said, we certainly are concerned about uh, that long summer slide that may ensue. We are concerned about um, the lack of internet in some homes, and we're concerned about all the things that our parents and teachers and administrators across the state have brought to our attention and they are concerned about. But what I want to assure our parents and students, teachers out there, is that we are working diligently with our local superintendents and their teams to make sure there is a plan in place for every school, for every child to continue their learning, to close out their school year, to graduate our seniors on time or very close to on time. And by the end of this summer, they will be moving on either into that next grade or moving on to their next step after high school. So I appreciate uh, your diligence. I appreciate your patience. Out there. So, Trish, as of March 29th, state education officials announced that 1,400 K-12 public school buildings would not reopen this year. But the state's 722,000 students would need to do school in some other way other than face-to-face or in a classroom. You reported that, at the time, school officials were scrambling to put together a plan for the remainder of the school year. So what happened next? Well, um, the state superintendent of education, Dr. Mackey, gave schools until April 3rd to give him a plan. Uh, It was kind of a checklist kind of thing, but there were some options about how are you going to do school? Are you going to do it online? Uh, If so, how are you going to make sure that everybody gets online? Are you going to do it in instructional packets? Um, You know, but kind of a what are you going to do? And then he reviewed it. He and his leadership team reviewed it and approved plans. And I'm sure if they had questions, those questions were asked. But uh, yeah, so everything is underway. Well, and so far, I mean, based on anyone you've talked to, 
how successful have they been in implementing this new plan? Well, it's interesting because I think folks are kind of keeping to themselves at the moment. We have such a diversity of districts from really well-off families with high-speed internet connections to not a single device in the family. And even if they had a device, they couldn't hook up to anything. So it's mostly what I'm seeing is superintendents and principals and teachers are saying, we're being successful. You know, don't be too hard on yourselves, teachers, and um, and we're being successful. So on the parent front, you know, there are all those great memes out there. Uh, but mostly I'm hearing that parents are working through the challenges of working at home while schooling at home, while making sure everybody's getting what they need. Well, and you just briefly touched on this, but distance and online learning, it's a great option for students who have immediate access to that technology. But what about the kids and families who don't? What kind of disadvantage does it put them at? Well, we know that in times where it's hard to connect to schools for whatever reason, be it a, you know, a five-day sh- five shutdown due to a hurricane, there's going to be learning loss. And so uh, a lot of us are concerned that the gaps between sort of the haves and the have-nots are going to be widened. Uh, the kids who are struggling to connect to their schools for whatever reason um, are going to have a tough time staying afloat. You know, a big question for me is, is this period that we're in right now, is this supposed to be learning something new? Are we just trying to avoid summer slide, what we refer to as summer slide? Or are we really trying to make sure that kids are learning new things? And to that, I want to say, I think it's kind of a blessing that we were towards the end of the school year anyway. State Superintendent Dr. Mackey said, you know, April is usually testing and and then, you know, spring break had come before that. And then May is a lot of field trips and a lot of senior activities and those kind of things. So most of the learning, you know, a big, big hunk of the learning had already been done. You told me recently that a number of districts haven't yet started distance learning. So what have those districts been doing since the shutdown? Well, when the, when schools originally shut down, you know, I think it was like March 19th, the announcement was made on Friday the 13th of March that schools would close uh, for two and a half weeks through April the 3rd and that there would be no required learning, that it was going to be enrichment activities and all learning would be optional. And so, you know, some districts that use technology regularly, they knew, hey, we're probably not going to go back to school Uh, I don't know how they're going to reopen school buildings. So they got on board and they began, you know, they worked, a lot of them worked through spring break um, because, you know, even teachers need spring break, right? But they worked through spring break to get these plans ready to be ready to roll on April 6th. But some just had a more difficult time putting their plans together. It, you know, um, I talked with folks who, who said, you know, the copy machine ran forever and uh, they had to make a whole lot of copies. I know some districts even contracted that part out and had, you know, copier services make those copies for kids. And then there's the distributing of the instructional packets. So some of those districts have said learning will start April 13th instead of the 6th, which was what the original plan was. Well, and what kind of stress do you think 
this can put on parents, especially those who aren't educators and have no experience homeschooling their kids? Yeah, this is a big one. And um, this is where I'm sure you've seen tons and tons of resources out there on the internet, right? On Facebook, there are Facebook groups, there are Instagram and Pinterest activities, you know, for parents to keep their kids busy. Um, Some parents don't feel qualified to teach their children. You know, I, especially for kids in high school, when you're, you know, how long has it been since you took calculus or did you ever take calculus or, you know, how can I teach U.S. history when the textbook is at school or these kinds of things. So there's a lot of stress on parents and and stress on kids too. I'm a little worried about them. You know, I think parents of kids with special needs, uh, with disabilities, they've got something else going on, you know, in their houses. They, they have extra needs that probably are, are really hard to tend to right now. Kids who need routine aren't getting it. And parents need routine. You know, I know I've, I've relied on that when my children were small. So I'm, I'm worried about parents. And I hope that there are a lot of folks out there that are offering resources. You know, there's even this thing called the Parenting Assistance Line that is a telephone number that is manned by an Alabama agency. You know, so I, I would encourage parents, if you're hearing this and you are stressed, you are not alone. There are a lot of resources out there for you. And there are typically a phone call away. When some teachers returned to their school buildings this past Monday, because school officials can legally require their teachers to return to work, but there was obviously a concern about the safety of that measure. Uh, Given those understandable concerns, why would anyone require teachers to go back inside the buildings? Well, it's a great question, and I know why that's a question that many teachers' families were asking. You know, why would you ask my husband or my wife to return to work in a building? Uh, but let me say that all of the school buildings were required by the state superintendent to be cleaned and disinfected by April the 3rd. Um, remember, all buildings were closed, really. Most folks were staying home. I think principals were going to school but, you know, teachers need access to the materials so that they can do lesson plans. And so a lot of schools were scheduling times where teachers could come in to get their materials and then leave. You know, don't stay very long, touch as few things as possible. I was getting emails from people saying, my superintendent's requiring me to come in and hold office hours. And, you know, people were generally frightened at the thought of going back into school buildings. But, it was kind of all over the place, and it was really, uh, I would encourage people to talk with their principals about what they were worried about. And, you know, there were provisions under the federal regulations and laws that were enacted that you could be given paid leave if you had reason not to return. Well, and you reported this week that many Alabama schools have stopped serving meals to students to slow the spread of coronavirus, but some have kept serving. Uh, on one hand, The schools have to do what they can to slow the spread for public safety, but there will be and are hungry children. So what's being done now to address this? Well, that is a concern that I have uh, as someone who worries about children. Uh, 
what they're doing right now, some districts are continuing to serve and they're being very careful about uh, having their employees wear masks and gloves and, you know, practice proper social distancing. They're all grab and go lunches, right? So you, it's basically like a drive through service. I've not seen anything other than grab and go. You know, they'll pop their trunk and the workers will put the food in the trunk and then they'll shut the trunk and then the person will drive off. But in those, you know, we had two big school districts uh, here in central Alabama who announced they were no longer going to serve meals because of this concern. And happily, um, they found some community partners that now they've reopened and they will be serving meals to students. So. Uh, it's kind of an all hands on deck situation. I know we're not the only state doing this. This is happening across the country that that schools are serving school meals. And again, there's you know there are some resources out there um, for folks who may not be able to get to those centers to pick up those meals. And you know I encourage people to make that phone call. There's even a text service. So, you know, reach out and ask for help because more than likely there's going to be help out there. Well, and finally, Trish, what do you see as the biggest concern right now for the Alabama education system moving forward? Well, there are a few of them, right? Um, You've got to make sure that children at least don't regress. I mean, that's like the bare minimum, right? Don't let them slide backwards. But, you know, we're missing two months of school. Uh, even if that school was mostly field trips and movies and, you know, testing, it's still two months of school. So there's that. But then there's also a big concern about the economy and what this is going to do to state education budgets next year. Uh, you know, that has had not been settled by the time schools closed. So Schools across the country are bracing for the worst. And in Alabama, you know, we tend to get hit pretty hard. Uh, So we're talking bare bones budgets and no raises for teachers, which breaks my heart uh, because this was supposed to be a good budget year. So there are those kind of concerns, you know, and and then there's the general. I'm intrigued thinking, what will school look like next year? Will we do online learning on a regular basis? Um, There are a lot of questions out there. So right now, I think we're still sort of in this hunker down. What are we doing? How are we going to get through this period sort of phase? But there are some folks that are looking forward. And, you know, I think I talked with a private school administrator who said, you know, we've we've got to have grace. We've got to give grace to people because this is a tough time. And so I think that everyone needs to feel validated in their feelings um, because this is really frustrating, but also reach out for help and understand that we will get to the other side of this and uh, we'll create a new education way we do school. Trish Crane, thank you so much for the time. Thank you. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus.
If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.